Well, let me just say that I hope you had a great 4th of July. Apparently somebody did out in the parking lot. Uh, I don't know if any of that was you, uh, but if you did, uh, clean up your mess <laughs> whenever we leave. Uh, yeah, especially uh, for those of you, uh, today's your first Sunday with us. Let me again just say that we are excited that you're here this morning. We're glad that you have decided to be a part of our worship experience here at Creekside Church this morning. Uh, you've joined us where we have just uh, finished up a series where we called Movement. I and mean, we partnered together with other churches in our city like Hope Church and we partnered uh, with Journey Church and uh, it was just really this awesome time for us to, to kind of collaborate together. And, and here's what we said. We said that if all of the churches here in this area are not on the same page, then we'll never see what we want to see in our city. And we'll never see what we want to see in this, in this region. And what we want to see ultimately is, is first of all, we want to see that God gets what He wants here in, in Goose Creek and in Somerville and Monk's Corner and Ladson. We want to see where Jesus Christ is lifted high, where all of the people here have an opportunity to hear, see, and respond to the good news of Jesus. Where we all fit ourselves under His rule, under His reign. And so over the last several weeks, that's what we've been talking about. And we kind of hit it at a real high level, at a 30,000 foot view, where we cast vision over this, at a 30,000 foot view. And, and here's what I know, that there's some of you here this morning, whenever we say that we want to do things like literally give every man, woman, and child consistent encounters with Jesus here in the city of Goose Creek, I'm sure that some of you are like, okay, I'm a numbers guy, I'm kind of a scientific guy, how in the world do you think you're going to do that? How in the world, okay? Like how? What's the how? We've talked about the why. And so today, let's talk about how we plan on doing this. And we're just going to literally just stick to the Scriptures. We're going to stick to the Bible. I hope that you're okay with that this morning. We're just going to stick exactly to, to what we see in the Scriptures, what we see in the Bible, and how this all takes place. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is where we've been for most of this year. We've been kind of in this sermon series just going verse by verse through the book of Acts. And so far we've seen so much, right? We've seen so much. This is already kind of after Jesus has ascended. Remember as he's standing there with his disciples, he's standing there with the disciples. He says that you will be my witnesses where? You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then Jesus just kind of vanishes before all, of the, all the church is there, all the disciples. He just kind of vanishes before them. He ascends, goes back to heaven, and He's at the right hand of the Father. But then He says, don't leave because I'm sending my Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that we just sang about. He says, I'm sending my Holy Spirit to you. You can see that in Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit descends, so Jesus ascends. Holy Spirit descends, all right? And you, you can kind of picture that in your mind. Holy Spirit descends on all the believers there, and the church just rapidly grows. It, it's like incredible, almost like this revival-like experience. Now, we throw around the word revival a lot, especially in our church circles. Revival really just means it's like this scheduled time where we get together sometimes, and we're going to eat fried chicken, we're going to drink sweet tea, and we might have a band come through that does some pretty good singing, all right? That's kind of what it means here in the South, not what was happening here in the Scriptures. 
that whenever the Holy Spirit descended, the church, they got together every single night. They were reading the Bible together. They were sitting under the apostles' teaching that they were all, had all things in common, that as anybody had need, they would sell their possessions so that they could make sure that there was nobody in lack. They literally took care of each other. And so we talked about that, and we said, how are we doing that here at Creekside? Not necessarily that we have to measure up to what was going on in Acts, because again, that's revival. Doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have Bible studies in our home every single night, but it does mean that this is what we should aspire to, right? That we should aspire to be a church that takes care of each other. That we should aspire to be a church that literally just soaks up the Bible and loves reading from God's Word. And that we love singing hymns together. So what we have is this beautiful picture of the church. And everywhere that we see, just about the closing at every chapter, it says that, and the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. And the Lord added to their number, and the Lord added to their number, and the word multiplied. And we said, really, that the church in the Bible, especially the church in Acts, is so much different than the church today, because in, in most pastoral meetings and most like church growth and things like that, we talk about how we get to add people to the church and make the church big, how we get to make our logo big. That's not how we see it in the book of Acts. You see, the early church was not necessarily, they, they weren't trying to add people to the church. They were trying to multiply and get the gospel everywhere. That's what we see, in, especially in the book of Acts. And, and everything is kind of going great up until Acts chapter 8. Now in Acts chapter 8, something, something really great happens, but also something really sad. And we have the first setup, it's basically set up where we get the first deacons. But it's really one of the first times in the Bible where we see heavy, heavy persecution. And the church is under this attack where the, the people there in Jerusalem, the Jews, they say, if you follow Jesus Christ, I just want you to know that we, we're not okay with this. We want, you, we want you to be a Jew, basically. We're not okay with this. We're going to throw you into prison. And if you continue to preach the good news of Jesus, we're eventually going to kill you. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 8 with this man named Stephen who had just been appointed as a deacon over the church where he was supposed to serve the body, where he was loving on the church. And he was getting, he was basically kind of being one of the underlying uh, foundations of the church, getting to love people. And it says that because of his faith that he, was, he became the first martyr that we see in all of Christianity. And now this is going to continue to be a theme not just through the rest of the Bible, but through the rest of Christianity's history, where the church is heavily, heavily, heavily persecuted. Where there's men and women who heavily oppose what it is that we stand for. And we don't necessarily see that as much here in America, but there's men, women, and children that woke up this morning around the globe who are literally fighting for their lives, fighting to survive because of their faith in Jesus Christ, because of their obedience to say that I will not stop preaching the good news of Jesus. It's happening all over the globe, and we see that right here. But you see, here's one of the good things, here's one of the beautiful things about persecution. You see, we don't often think about persecution having any positive consequences at all, but it actually does here in Acts chapter 8, because it says in Acts chapter 8, 
that whenever the church is scattered, that the church is scattered to places like Judea, to places like Samaria. So I, I know that some of you are a little bit visual. We have it up on the screen for you right here. Now, if that looks blurry to you, you might want to go and check your eyes. Like, that's crystal clear, okay? Might want to go see the eye doctor. We promise that's pristine. I'm just kidding. So this right here is Jerusalem. Just about everything that we see in the Bible, everything that we see kind of centers around this place called Jerusalem. Whenever Jesus dies on the cross, it's right here, kind of in this area. Whenever Jesus ascends, again, right here in this area, when the Holy Spirit comes down, all right here in Jerusalem. Now, this is where the, the kind of the early church is all presiding. They're right here in this big place called Jerusalem. But whenever persecution hits, it says that the church is scattered and the church moves from out of Jerusalem into this place called Judea. Right? And out of Jerusalem into Judea, but it gets even further than that because the church, it spreads even to this place called Samaria. Now, I... I think I just said this in my recap. Whenever Jesus tells the early disciples, whenever he tells the church that you will be my witnesses, where does he tell them they're going to be his witnesses? He tells them you're going to be my witnesses in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, we don't often think about it, but whenever Jesus says, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in these places, really maybe Jesus was telling them, hey, this is kind of what's happening. This is kind of coming down the pike. In just a few short months, you will be my witnesses. And we don't even think about it, but one of the main reasons that the gospel went to these places was because of persecution. It was because the early church was under this heavy attack. I have a, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Strauman. He actually is a friend of many of yours. He was actually just uh, getting ready this week to be sent out overseas in the uh, Thailand. He, uh, he, he knows the Bible and he knows especially Paul's journey and he kind of uses a lot of these techniques over in what he calls the field over in these areas of like Chiang Mai and China and Japan all across the world. He uses these things and I, I was talking to him. I said, hey man, we're getting ready to go through Paul's missionary journeys. Do you have any advice as I get ready to kind of teach through this and preach through this over the next several weeks? Every single, uh, every single week we're going to kind of talk about this. Any advice? He said, yeah, just remember that the gospel went here, that the gospel went there, the gospel went there, but don't forget persecution. And don't forget persecution here. And don't forget persecution there. Don't forget persecution because that's how the early church grew. It's really how it all started. And I think about it sometimes that, man, I really just try to avoid being persecuted. I try to avoid being in these hard places and these hard conversations where People might just think of me differently. But the early church was literally putting their lives at stake. And some of them, many, many of them had to move. Many of them were on the go. And that's where we'll pick up this morning in Acts 11. So if you're in Acts chapter 11, say, I'm there. If you don't have a Bible, the words should be up on the screen. And we'd love to give you a Bible. You can see it right over there at our Connect table. It's a free gift to you. Acts chapter 11, we're going to pick up right there in verse 19. And it says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution, again, exactly what I just said of it, those that were scattered because of the persecution arose over Stephen. Stephen was the, the deacon that was put to death. They traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. 
But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, on coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists. Now, a Hellenist is just somebody who's, who's Jewish but happens to speak Greek. Also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. We see that all throughout Acts. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So words traveling back to the home base. And it says, and they sent Barnabas. Barnabas was kind of this wealthy man. He had a lot of fields, but we saw it just a few weeks ago. He sells all of his possessions and he gives it to the church. He's kind of the good example of Ananias and Sapphira. We all remember them. Verse 23, when he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Barnabas was an encourager. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought Saul into Antioch. Now Saul is also known as Paul. Uh, he kind of wrote half the Bible. If you've ever heard of Paul, St. Paul, same guy here. He came and he found Saul and he went and he brought him into Antioch. For a whole year there, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That's where we first get the word Christians. That's where we kind of first get that name is here in this church at Antioch. Because why? Because they're embodying what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it says that the surrounding areas, the people that are looking at this church, they're looking at these followers of Christ. They say they look and act probably just like Jesus did several years ago. And that's where we first get the name Christians. You can put that in your trivia and use it on trivia night at wherever you go. So if you're following along, going back to our map, we see right there that because of Stephen's death and because of persecution, what originally started in Jerusalem has now gone to Judea. It's traveled as far as Samaria, but it also says that it's gone to Phoenicia. And it's also gone past just Phoenicia, that it's gone to this place called Cyprus. And even past Cyprus, it's gone to this place called Antioch. Now, I'm no genius, but it seems to me like by God's design, persecution helps spread the word. That whenever we're persecuted, it hurts. It's not fun, but it makes us dig our heels in even more. And it says we've got to find some place, some people who understand the good news of Jesus. And so it spread out of Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria. He's gone even to places like Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. And it says that as they're there, Paul and Barnabas, Saul and Barnabas, they spend an entire year there with the church in Antioch. Why? Because this church in Antioch is hurt. They're hurting. They've just witnessed one of their best friends put to death because of their faith in Jesus. They've just left their homes. They're refugees, essentially. Seeking refuge in a place where they can worship freely. They get out under heavy persecution. And it says that Barnabas goes there and he's, he's encouraged, but Barnabas being this guy, he's going there to strengthen this church at Antioch. 
You see, if any church in history had reason to not want to go out, to not want to multiply, to not send out more missionaries, to not send out more disciples, it was the church at Antioch. Because they know the consequences. They know what happens when you go. When you go, it gets tough. When you go, it's hard. When you go, you become a refugee, essentially. They know that, and if any church ever in the history of churches had any reason to want to hold tight, like to hold tight to what they had, to say, no, 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 man, let's just focus on us, all right? Let's just grow as Christians. Let's just study the Bible together. We don't need to be out there sharing the gospel. Let's just grow as Christians together. We can do house church, right? How many of you heard that? Let's just, let's just do house church. Let's just stick together. If any church ever had reason or excuse to do that, it's the church here at Antioch. But I want to show you what happens. Move over to to chapter 13. Let's fast forward a year, okay? Fast forward a year. Acts 13. I want to show you what, what happens to this church at Antioch. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mananaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So that's kind of like a, that's a stacked team, right? That's a stacked team. You've got Barnabas, who's known throughout the entire Bible. You've got Saul, who is kind of like the greatest Christian of all time, minus Jesus Christ. Like, you've got a stacked team. You want to hold that together, right? You want to keep it all together. We've got talent here, man. We've got the best of the best here. Listen to what they do. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. The church that's hurting the most, the church with the best team, says, you know what? As we listen to the Holy Spirit, we hear the Holy Spirit and he's saying, send, 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 send out, send out, send out what the Holy Spirit told him. And it says so in in verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed into Cyprus, and when they arrived at at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and uh, and they had John to assist them, and when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came to a, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Okay, so immediately we've got a red flag here. It's a guy who's a magician, and he's not preaching the word of God. He's kind of this false prophet, kind of stirring people up against, the, uh, against Christianity, against the way. And it says that there was this false prophet named Bar, uh, Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul, and he sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed him. And seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith, but it says, but Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked intently at this man, and he said to them, you son of the devil. Have you ever been called that, the son of the devil? Man, we use a son of in our culture today, but this is even worse than that, okay? You son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Like he just called him out in front of everybody. 
Try that in your next huddle or next MC. Like, you son of the devil. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Is the good news of Jesus powerful or what? Is it powerful or what? He goes into this place, they meet opposition, kind of infiltrating and trying to stir people up, trying to preach a false gospel. Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, says, no, 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 that's not going to happen today. You're going to be blind for a time. This mist falls over his eyes. He's led astray. And then the whole pro-council believes in the good news of Jesus. Like, I sure would, too, if, like, you were out with me and I made somebody go blind through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, you would believe, or our audience would believe what it is that we had to say. But I want to show you here this morning, I want to show you what it is, or, or how we plan. Going back to that, that why, this is how we plan to get the gospel everywhere at Creekside Church. Listen, it first of all starts with hearing from the Holy Spirit. Hearing from the Holy Spirit. We spend a lot of time here at Creekside Church teaching, teaching you how to read the Bible teaching you how to pray, teaching you how to do the very basic, most elementary things. Why? Because we don't want to assume that you know how to read the Bible. We don't want to assume that you know how to pray. We want to spend time teaching you how to do those basic things. Why? Because when we hear from God, when we hear what it is that He has to say, when we spend time in our quiet times in the morning, when we spend time reading before the kids have, have gotten up, whenever we spend time sitting and just on our knees praying to Him before even the sun has come up, because whenever we do those things, we believe that God is going to call us to do radical things. Moments like this where you're in church are great. You're going to experience worship. You're going to raise your hands. You're going to hear teaching from the Lord. But listen, it cannot replace you hearing from God early and often every single day of the week. It can't replace it. Here in this moment, Saul, Barnabas, Simeon, the leaders, and the church is sitting here together. They're worshiping the Lord. They're fasting. They're hearing from God. And as they're hearing from God, God says, here, I want you to now go and do this. When's the last time that happened in your life? When's the last time that happened? It's just you and God, maybe a Bible, a journal, and a pen. And you sat. And you listened to the voice of God. And as you listen, in the silence, in the awkwardness, God says, I want you to do this. See, we don't hear from God because we're distracted. We're busy. Even those moments and times where we do get alone with God and it's, 
It's quiet. We've got our phones right there. And you got a notification from ESPN. You got a notification from CNN. You got a notification from Facebook. And I'll, next thing you know, it's time to shower. It's time to get ready to go to work. I don't want you to miss this. The most important thing that you can do as a follower of Jesus Christ is to turn off the noise. The most important thing that you can do as a child of God, as a follower of God, is to just sit in the silence. I don't care if it's the morning. I don't care if it's at night. I don't care when it is. It's to turn it all off. Put the children to bed, all right? And maybe it is you and your husband where you just sit and you listen and you say, I'm going to spend time with God in undistracted silence. And I promise you, I promise you, you'll grow like you've never grown before. You'll hear like you've never heard before. Because he's going to call you to do things that you've never done before. As they're sitting there in this upper room, just imagine if they were so distracted that they hadn't heard from the Holy Spirit. Imagine if they were too busy that they hadn't heard from the Holy Spirit. Then the whole pro, the whole pro council wouldn't have heard the good news of Jesus. And so they send out. But every single place that they go, they have the same exact method. And there should be a, a graphic up on the screen this morning. Every single place that they go, imagine that this right here is Saul or Paul. You can imagine that's Barnabas, whomever it is. You can imagine that's him. I imagine that he was probably a little bit more Jewish, had kind of a beard, a little bit better tan, something like that, but this will do. And so you can imagine that Saul has just entered into this new field. What is this new field? He says right here, this new field in Acts 13, he says that they've entered into this place called Cyprus and they've arrived at this place called Salamis, Salamis, whatever it is, Salami, it doesn't matter. They've arrived at this place and they've just entered into this new field, okay? They're in this new place. As they go there, they start to share the good news with those that are there. They share the good news of Jesus. Now, in this particular instance, somebody actually gets blinded from the good news. But every single place that we see it, whether it's Corinth, whether it's Ephesus, whether it's in Jerusalem, wherever it is, they enter into a place, they share the good news of Jesus with, that, with those folks, they spend about a year with them in, in, in a time period, they disciple them, raise them up as the church, and then they start meeting together as a church. Now the rest of your Bible is all right here in this area. You've got places like the church at Ephesus. Where do you think that the church at Ephesus came from? The church at Ephesus came from a place, and we'll see this later on in Acts 16, where Paul enters into a place, and he shares the gospel with this woman named Lydia. He shares the gospel with this slave girl. He shares the gospel with this Roman jailer. He spends time with them, raising them up, and then you have a church right there. It's how we see it in the Bible. This is called the four fields, and, and then obviously you have Leaders there that you want to raise up. Leaders that you want to continue with, with this cycle. How do we want to reach every man, woman, and child? We want to reach every man, woman, and child by sending you out into the fields that you enter into every single day. By equipping you and giving you tools to share the good news of Jesus. By equipping you on how to be a follower, how to be a disciple of Jesus, but then also how to make disciples and make followers of Jesus. And then ultimately, right here, this last piece right here, the church, 
Our grand vision for years down the road is we want to be a church that plants other churches. We want to be a multiplying church. We were born this way. It's in our DNA, and it's how we have to continue. Every single place that we see in the Scriptures, Paul enters into this place called Cyprus. He walks in and he shares the gospel. He shares the gospel with the whole pro-council, the whole pro-council. They end up believing, and what do you have? You have a place now that is ready and primed for church. And that's how the gospel multiplies. Now, if you're tracking with me, I, I want to show you this this morning. I might actually get some help. Get some help from this guy so that we don't have any disasters this morning. Everybody, this is Adam Butler. Can we just give a, give a round of applause for Mr. Adam Butler? He's our guy. We practiced this before this morning. Totally kidding. There you go. Thanks, Adam. You're the man. Adam's always doing things behind the scenes. Adam's actually running our kids this, uh, this kind of this time period while uh, Jennifer's on maternity leave. So really cool. Thankful for that guy. So every single day that you live, you have what we, we call a dwelling place, right? You have a dwelling place. Obviously, you go to work. You go to work. You go home. You've got a neighborhood. You've got friends. You've got family. This is kind of your dwelling place. So let me just say, for example, that this is you. All right? We'll just... That's you. And you live, somebody give me a neighborhood. Shout it out. Give me a neighborhood. There you go. Fox Bank. You live in Fox Bank. I appreciate that. Whoever said that. Thank you so much. Participation. You can talk in church. It's okay. So you've got in this neighborhood Fox Bank, which is Monk's Corner. Let's just say that you've got a neighbor named Jim. You've immediately entered into this, into this place, into this field called Fox Bank. You've entered in just by nature of living there, just by being a resident of Fox Bank. You've got this neighbor named Jim. What do we want to do with Jim? We want to plant seeds in Jim's life. We want to share the good news with Jim. Jim's a neighbor. But here's the cool thing. Jim has a wife. Jim's wife, we'll give her a name. She goes by Pam. Jim is married to Pam. That's an office reference for those of you who don't get it. Jim is married to Pam. What happens whenever we sow seed into Jim's life? Jim, then he goes and he shares the good news with Pam. Pam and Jim, they both together have this daughter named Cece, and they go and they share the good news with Cece. Isn't that really awesome? Isn't that really cool? You, you go to work every single day. You work, and you work with this guy named Michael, and he might be an idiot. He might just be the world's worst boss. But you love him, and you enter into that field every single day, and you plant seeds into Michael's life. You share the good news with Michael. Michael, of course, married to Holly. All right, well, you get the point. You get the idea. You have family. Some of you have family this morning who don't know the good news of Jesus Christ. And every single get-together that you have with them, every single barbecue, every single Christmas, Thanksgiving, every single family reunion that you have, 
you have an opportunity to plant seed in their lives. To share the good news. Listen, we, we said it a lot over the last series we, in this series called Movement where we, we talked about, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are by nature now a missionary. You're a missionary. You don't have a choice. You might be a good one, you might be a bad one, but you is one. You are a missionary. Every single place that you go, for those of you who, who live in neighborhoods like this, you have an opportunity by the people who lay their head beside you every single night. For those of you who have an office job and you get to walk in every single day to these people, you get to share the good news with them. All I'm asking you is simply this. How can you be a light in every place that you go? How can you be a light wherever it is? Where somebody looks at you and say, you know what, I, I noticed that in the staff meeting this week, everybody losing their cool. You didn't lose your cool. What's up with that? I noticed this week that, that we were kind of all ganging up on the boss and everybody was at the water cooler and everybody was talking about the boss. That Michael, he's just an idiot. He wastes all of our time. I noticed that you weren't talking with everybody else and gossiping. What's going on there? Why aren't you that way? Hey, I noticed that you're on the PTA and you're always the one that's trying to love on everybody that's in the PTO, PTA. I don't even know what it is anymore these days. They change it up. I noticed that you were different. Tell me a little bit about that. Hey, I noticed that you're a student. You're a student and all the classmates here, this, they, they kind of follow you. They listen to you. They kind of follow your leadership. What's different about you? How can you be a light wherever it is that you go? Let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, God, we're so, so, so thankful that we have been saved by the good news of Jesus Christ. We're thankful that you have opened our eyes to see the, the truth. And what we see from Paul's first missionary journey is that it's not always this pristine, beautiful picture. It's not always that missionary journeys aren't beautiful. They're not, they're not clean. They're not how we would write them. They're not something that are beautiful that we get to tell the story. For. They're messy. It looks like a mess. The church here in Antioch, God, they were refugees fighting for their lives, grouping together just hoping that some other persecutor wouldn't infiltrate their body and infiltrate the church. And they come to this moment where they get comfortable and then you send out Saul and you send out Barnabas for the work. And as they gather together and as they're hearing from you, your spirit speaks to them and it says, go, we cannot protect, we cannot keep this the way it is. And even as they go out, it gets to be a mess again because they're met with opposition. And Bar-Jesus, this false prophet, he wants, to, he wants to stir up preaching a false gospel. And through the power of the Holy Spirit gets blinded. Being a missionary is hard work. 
but it's something that we'll live to celebrate for eternity after eternity after eternity after eternity. Every single one of us, God, you have not done this by accident, but you've put us where you've put us in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our jobs. It's not by accident. You've put us there to be lights for your good news. And so as we go, we know that it's going to be messy. It's not always pretty. I pray that you would give us strength. Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, the call is very simple. I just want to kind of give you some time to process where you are and give you some time to think about your neighborhoods, those cars, those homes, those people you pass every single day, at the office, those faces that you see, those faces that you pass every single day. And listen, I get it. We talk about this a lot here at Creekside. We do. We talk about it a lot. But why would we ever pass on to something else if we haven't fully grasped and received and been obedient to what Jesus has called us to do in the basics? Why would we ever move on to anything else if we haven't gotten this? So this morning, I want to give you time right where you are a process to think about what are those fields that he's called you to enter into. This morning, if you've never followed Jesus, you've never given your life to him, we've just saw that this is the most beautiful, most powerful thing that you could ever do for your life is to follow Christ, where he breaks the chains of sin, where he breaks the, sin, the, the chains of darkness. If you need anybody in the room or if you need anybody to pray with, I'll be in the back of the room this morning to pray with you. If you're here this morning and you're hurting, and you're like, dude, I can't even think about sharing my faith. I'm, I, I've walked in with a lot of baggage this morning. I got a lot going on. Listen, there's room for that too here. The church at Antioch was a, was a wounded place. There's room for that too. If you need anybody to pray with you or to talk through any situation in life, I'm here for you this morning. I just pray that you would be obedient to whatever he's calling you to do.